This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Jordy loses half of the ship. Hello everyone, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that destroyed itself with capitalism. Hello. My name is Gefwin, I am joined as always by my friend and co-host Dr. Izix. Hi! And we've gotten to what is by no means the best, but my personal favorite episode of season one. <laughs> it is pretty great. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that it's a very good episode. It's got a lot of structural problems. Ugh, it's, I, I like it. It goes back to like some of the old Star Treks. It just like, they have a clever solution. They've got stupid things where the captain's in danger for no reason. They've got mm -hmm. dumb escalating stakes that don't make a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it's like, all right, so uh, we're going to generally start having things be more worrisome throughout this. And oh no, now more people are at risk for dying. Yeah, it's kind of like if you took an original series plot and gave it better acting and just a touch better budget. Like, mm -hmm. not much of a better budget, but, you know, a little bit. Yeah, we, we still have, you know, planet of, you know, uh, a blanket in the background sort of effect levels of uh, sets uh, here. So, you know. The yeah. main sci-fi prop that they have is made out of a, like, container for pantyhose. Like, <laughs> you know, we're still at that level of special effects. Exactly. Well, you know, you know doing, uh, you know, yourself special effects, you know, is... Still a tried and true method in a lot of areas uh, these days, but yeah, it it, it kind of shows here. <laughs> so this episode was written by people who we've talked about a million times before, Maurice Hurley and Robert Lewin. They did a lot of Star Trek stuff. The mm -hmm. original story was created by Hans Belmer, who's well known for working on DS9, so Star Trek alums all. Yes, uh, also uh, Richard Manning was involved with the teleplay there too, so... Uh, they exist guest stars <laughs> we got a few this time for some reason we just have random ensigns and people popping up all over this episode yes <laughs> well we need more junior crew members hanging around because wesley's not in this one so you know that's true they have better character arcs in this episode than wesley does in the entire first two seasons <laughs> whoops uh and i don't dislike wesley they just uh, they 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 really handled the character arcs of these two junior officers so much better. Well, they're just deemed as unimportant, and thus you know people that actually know what they're doing with developing characters and having arcs get to you know work on them, as opposed to you know Gene Roddenberry. So I'm gonna butcher this name, uh, Vincent Chivali, Chivali, Chiavelli, Chiavelli. That sounds more right. That, mm -hmm. that sounds slightly Italian. <laughs> yes, uh, he's, you, he's recognizable. Yeah, he plays the peddler, and mm -hmm. uh, a description that I found was that he is the instantly recognizable sad face. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, he's been in uh, tons of stuff, uh, you know, not too much lately, because uh, I believe well, he... because he, he yeah. died. Yes, so. uh, though... Uh, he was in something called Corpse Killer 25th Anniversary Edition. So, you know, that happens sometimes. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, he's been in all sorts of stuff I've never heard of. Uh, oh, he's in Mantis. I've heard of that. He was uh, in the X-Files. Uh, uh, he was, uh, you know, in Ghost as a subway ghost. 
uh, you know, you know. So remember when you know uh, he's like, well, I, I want to talk to another ghost and you know learn how to be a ghost properly. And it's like, well, there's this guy I've noticed who seems to be a ghost and is able to like touch things. I will talk to him. He played that ghost. Yeah, Subway Ghost. Yes. Yes. He's also in Batman Returns. I don't remember where. He's in Buckaroo Banzai, which we're going to get to at some point. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire. Highlander the series, which I've never bothered watching. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's um, okay, I guess. There's people sword fighting. He's definitely been around. And if he's yes. not an actor that you recognize the name of, you will see him and go like, oh, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. It's just a recognizable face. Mm-hmm. They also have Marco Rodriguez playing Captain Rice. He has been a lot of uh, TV side thingies like TJ Hooker, NYPD Blue, The Crow, Seinfeld. Yeah, so, yeah sort of the usual suspects here. Yeah. One of the first ones is who said explicitly Seinfeld, so which surprises yeah. me given this era of television. Yeah, I mean Seinfeld's a little later than this, but still, it was everyone was on it ran for a long time. Yeah, uh, he was also in something that uh, some folks might not remember f- uh, fondly, The Inhumans. <laughs> that was a thing. Remember that? <laughs> I try not to. Uh, Vito Ruginas. Ruginas? Vito Ruginas plays Chief Engineer Logan, yet another Chief Engineer. We can mm-hmm. see why this one didn't stick around. We'll, we'll yeah. see that later. <laughs> Uh, he's got a long and varied filmography he some of his best known stuff was playing a vampire and angel he was in csi house md x files er law and order doctor slight people yeah uh he was also in grand theft auto 5 oh cool yes <laughs> well, i wonder if he was the one who got tortured probably not uh, probably uh, just a probably not, voice yeah. actor i don't know i don't recognize the name of the character I played grand theft auto 5 in so long neither have i Julia Nixon is playing Ensign Dassault. She began acting while in school in Honolulu as a part with a part in Magnum PI. Uh, she then jumped into movies immediately in uh, Romeo First Blood Part Two. Uh, you mean Rambo? Yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> she finished up in movies in Rambo First Blood Part Two. Uh, she also appeared in Sidekicks, which I've never heard of. Something called Glitch. Glitch. And she was in Double Dragon. She was uh, in uh, an episode of uh, Deep Space Nine as well, uh, as well as Babylon 5, where she played Catherine Sakai, uh, who uh, managed to meet the walkers of Sigma 957 before anyone else did. Sure. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Yep, I haven't seen, still haven't seen Babylon 5. All of that was gibberish. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, she was also in Sequest. <laughs> yeah, Sequest 2032. And finally, we've got George de la Pena, who plays Lieutenant Solis. Originally, he was a pianist and ballet dancer. And, uh, not too many uh, acting roles here, but was in uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Also, Murder, She Wrote. I wonder if they're right. related somehow. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that would be an interesting one. I would see that crossover. <laughs> Friday the 13th in Cabot Cove. <laughs> oh, wait, that's sub- Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare <laughs> on Kelvin Cove. Oh, my God. It's Halloween. Well, There's just too many horror movie names rattling around recently. Yeah. 
Yeah, if we're going to do a big uh, crossover, like, you know, Jason's there, there's some Cenobites as well, and it just mm-hmm. gets crazy there. But Jessica's like, I know which one of you murdered who now? <laughs> I'm sorry, we pull back the curtain. We work, we record far ahead on these things. So for me, it's Halloween, and I'm hearing too much about horror movies. For you, it will probably be Christmas. Yeah. Yes. So you'll be confused. Yeah, so you'll be having a nightmare <laughs> before Christmas instead. Ha <laughs> Ah, see what you did there okay the enterprise is out to investigate the disappearance of the uss drake which vanished trying to investigate the planet minos which was a well-known planet during the ursa something war they were arms dealers who sold weapons to both sides whoops uh hopefully one of those sides didn't decide you know maybe you're more trouble than you're worth here and come by because weapons you know at some point, all intelligent life on the planet up and disappeared. Whoops. Hmm. Wait a moment. Minos. Minos. Min, uh, where do I know the name? Minos Corva. What are the defensive plans of Minos Corva, Gapwin? <laughs> I don't remember that one. But we'll, we'll run into that one a, a while later. <laughs> Minos Corva. The Cardassian Border Wars. Someone has a whole video about it. My God, people are too obsessed with these things. How many lights are there, Gepwin? <laughs> okay, where the where in the world was I? There we go. <laughs> in this room, I've got five. Oh, okay. <laughs> that worked out. So, uh, right, Riker went to the academy with the captain of the Drake, Captain Rice, and uh, they talk about him for a while, but it's not really important except for the fact that he and Riker are old friends. That's 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 the bit we need to know. Yes, Captain Rice exists, and there's a personal connection. Moving on. So soon after they scan the planet and discover that there are no people left alive at all, they get hailed by a people. Hmm, well that's weird. Um, are you a ghost? Uh, they could be a ghost. They look like a ghost they've seen somewhere before. Hmm. Maybe. I can't remember when Ghost actually came out, if it was that before was... or after this. <laughs> anyway. I think it was uh, after this, actually. <laughs> So he's yeah. This one is a recording, not yes. a ghost. <laughs> and he's trying to advertise their weapons technology. So the automated we- message is still functioning after this many years. Then they're like, oh, I wonder if there's other dangerous things down there. So Riker, Yar, and Data go down to investigate. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we're not sending Worf here because we don't want him to get it beat up. You they know. materialize in what passes for a dense forest. It's several potted plants arranged yes. slightly <laughs> close together. <laughs> <laughs> with some fake rocks uh you know position to try to hide that they're in pots so they find not much there's some ruins there's some old display weapons they spread around and search the area hey uh i wonder if this display weapon will uh come in useful later probably not they could Aww. have you know you could have foreshadowed something indeed could have been interesting <laughs> the uh, ship detects an energy buildup near Riker. And when he goes to investigate, he finds Rice. Oh. Rice is here. Well, that's convenient. Uh, So uh, where's your ship? Uh, We're going to rescue you and stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're alive, that's probably a good sign. So what's up? No, no, it's fine. Rice's ship is fine. And he starts asking creepy questions like, hey, what's your ship? What's your compliment? What ship are you on? It's big, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's huge and large and uh, is like uh, 12. Also, she's she's a pretty good ship, you know. Yeah, the USS Lollipop. Yep. <laughs> it's a good ship. So uh, they, the rest of the team get there. They're not detecting any life signs, even though Rice, you know, is standing right there. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, um, either either this is rice and there's a dampening field, or it's a fake. Yeah. Ragnar takes the joking a bit too far, and Rice turns into a drone thing that shoots Riker, putting him in a stasis field. Oh gosh darn it! Yar destroys the thing, but Riker's still trapped in the in the glowy whatever beam. Hmm. Well, uh, he seems to be frozen forever. Um, so I guess if we want to get rid of Riker, this is a golden opportunity. Yeah, he's just fro. You just leave him here. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever is trapping Riker is interfering with their ability to transport. So Picard decides that what he should do is that he and Dr. Crusher should beam down to the planet and leave Geordi in charge. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Wait, wait a moment. Isn't uh, Diana Troy a higher-ranked officer than uh, Geordi at this point? Yes. Hmm. But, as we learn later, she hasn't taken command classes. Ah. Or whatever. And Geordi... I don't... Yeah. Yeah, uh, Geordi is sporting the red uh, uh, you know, uh, shirt at this point here, so... Oh, he's he's doing command track. All right, so we're good to go. Uh, once they're on the ground, uh, there's nothing to do because the doctor scans is like, well, it's a stasis field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> good. Um, so uh, can I go back on the ship? I, I seem useless here right now. <laughs> Data remembers something from the old wars that there was an intelligence gathering device that used a hologram to question subjects until they started to resist and then they were put into a stasis field for later collection and interrogation data starts using his phaser to find frequencies that could turn the stasis field off when they are attacked by another drone picard and crusher run off into the woods and are separated from the group and then fall into a big hole whoops um so uh good luck with the frequency data um everyone else seems to be having a bad time yard tries to shoot the drone like she did last time but this one dodges slightly to the side and we can't change what direction our constant beam of a phaser is going so you know it's not a lightsaber (laughs) you can't swing it around jeez it's a gun (laughs) you start shooting one direction and you can't shoot a different direction that's it it would create cross spatial phase tearing or something it would it would mess up your v-sync i don't know <laughs> which i guess you know if you sort of think about the technology of phasers there might be like an aiming assist that it's actually you know trying to make you, f- you keep shooting in the direction you were intending to shoot the first time and you know that's just really inconvenient right now and they don't know how what to turn they it don't off. tell you is that the thing that the thing that actually you know creates the charged particle beam and gets them all to line up in the same direction is actually an intensely powerful gyroscope (laughs) nice you can't move it if you wanted to how jeepers might dang you angular momentum (laughs) so since this thing can move a little bit she now gets data to also shoot it you know, she shoots and then he shoots and that that can't dodge twice. That's just too many times. <laughs> the 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 drones a little bit like, oh man, this this is this isn't fair. Teaming up I love on how me. they wrote the escalation in this thing. It's like you have a drone and it gets shot. Then it can dodge one time. Yes. Maybe the next time it can dodge two times. Dun, dun, Don't know dun. what we're gonna pull out next. Woo, keep guessing. Yeah, we have to like keep improving our techniques here and. Uh, Eventually, we're just going to be not able to. Uh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I also love like we're gonna get I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit like this thing is obviously starting to adapt but it does mean that the original one they're just like just ship out the base unit it doesn't need to try to dodge enemy fire or evade anything it's fine it'll it'll figure it out later yeah <laughs> which maybe it's to lure them into a false sense of security maybe but yeah this is kind of a little silly <laughs> so meanwhile back in the hole dr crusher has a wounded arm picard yes. makes a splint out of some sticks in her jacket uh everyone's communicators are out they're being blocked probably by the weapon doodah mm-hmm. data finally finds the correct frequency to let Riker out and they run off to find the captain yeah, well, uh, hopefully this won't take too long uh, because that uh, sawdust that uh, Crusher appears to be buried in now is apparently full of, like, uh, fleas. I'm, yeah. I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Things they do for this show. Yes. So back on the ship, they have a beat on the entire away team. But just before they can beam them back up, the drone thingy attacks them and the shields have to be up. I know, and this week we cannot beam through our shields, so this is a problem. Yeah, and also this thing is draining their shields really fast, whatever it is. Also has some sort of cloaking device, so it disappears after every shot, so it's impossible to attack back. And to make matters worse, the chief engineer, for some reason, decides that now is the time to pull a power play. Yeah, because apparently in the middle of battle is when you got to start trying to make complaints to the mm -hmm. you know the guy in charge that hey you you don't know what you're doing you should put me in charge here man blah also let's see what we got here because we have we have a, we have two drone things that look the same they look very similar mm -hmm. one can't even dodge yep <laughs> like they just would let's not bother installing the evasive maneuver subroutine into this one the other one is powerful enough to take out a galaxy class's shields in three shots and yep. has a cloaking device. <laughs> now, my thinking on that is, is that the one that's attacking the Enterprise at this point is the one that had actually wiped out the entire civilization previously. Oh, it's uh, just it, sitting up there. Yes. <laughs> it just, you know, it's like, oh, there's a ship here. I'll start heading over there. And they do the rest, you know, the stuff up until this point. And then, you know, it's like, oh, I'm in range now. Let's surprise them. Bam. <laughs> so Chief Engineer Logan runs up to the bridge and goes, Jordy, give me command. I outrank you. And I know better than you for some reason. And we should leave to save the ship. Um, right. His position is we should we should leave the away team and save the ship because the ship's more important than the away team. Well, uh, thank you for the advice, but uh, Jordy is in charge right now, and you know mm. he can say no. <laughs> so Jordy yells him down very easily. Jordy's mm -hmm. got some good command presence, which I like here. As contrived as some of this is, getting to see Jordy in charge is great. Hi. At the same time, he's trying to do whatever he can to fight back against the drone. Jordy and Worf come up with a plan to try to predict its movements based on its previous attacks. So, think of the problem. Excellent. Instead of, you know, complaining about not being in charge. Back on the planet, another one of the things shows up. And this time it has a shield. And it takes all three of them firing at once to take it down. So they might be out of options because the first one took two, pe took one person. The next one took two people. This one took three people. And they are out of four people. They don't, that's mm -hmm. it. Yeah, you know, the other person four and five are stuck in a hole and, you know, yeah. you know, we can't get them out right now. And that sucks. 
Yeah. Hey. Speaking of the hole, Crusher's losing a lot of blood and needs to stay awake. So mm-hmm. she instructs Picard on how to use some random roots to clot the wound up because she knows things about random roots on planets that she's never been to before because exobotany exo or something. Uh, you know, apparently uh, it's not just that you know there's lots of humanoids running around here, but there's you know apparently nearly identical biochemistry all throughout the universe, and you know so everything's just going to be compatible. Hooray! Mm-hmm. I mean, we do later learn that there's a whole joint species thingy going on, but yeah. You know. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Even uh, on this, I, I, that's just dumb, though. Like we seeded every planet in the world, whatever, whatever. Even a few million years later, our plants are just unrecognizable from each other, even <laughs> on Earth. Yeah, it, 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 that's a whole episode there, and yeah, we could complain about it for. Probably ages, I suspect, but uh, this uh, mm. convergence, divergence, convergent uh, evolution nonsense is kind of a staple of Star Trek during this era, and yeah. it's just really, really terrible. Which I guess one of the things I like about Discovery is uh, like, okay, so maybe we have this problem inside the galactic barrier, but outside of it, things can be a lot more weird. So let's do that. <laughs> so back on the ship now, they are ready to try to take out the drone. It doesn't work. That's the, their plan fails. So now Doherty has no other options because they're going to get destroyed, and he decides to leave to save the ship. All right. So Logan, uh, yeah, who wanted to leave to save the ship, remember, mm-hmm. is now. What are you doing? You're leaving the away team. My God. <laughs> oh, Logan, you're just going to say whatever you need to make me look slash feel bad. Uh, um, so you know, maybe you're full of crap and should you know go away. So Jordy pulls Logan away and goes like, "Okay, I want you to take command dun, dun, dun. of the saucer section." <laughs> ha ha! Burn. Ha-ha. Take that. <laughs> There's also a, a, a kind of unique, uh, lengthy pause there, so it almost sounds like he's giving him full command. But you know, no, he's just like, "These are my. I need to like fake you out. You've been enough of a dick mm-hmm. that I'm just gonna." fake you out <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to give you this part of the ship and make you go away quite literally <laughs> you know don't get also, all the uh, civilians killed please <laughs> the way everybody's jockeying for command it's like this feels like old like old british navy rules mm-hmm. <laughs> like during the napoleonic war and if you captured a ship or the captain died and you got put in command you'd probably just stay there when you got home so it was a good way to rank up i guess uh, when we bring the ship uh, back together both uh jordy and uh you know the, the the engineer guy here are going to be uh you know new captains i guess wait no this doesn't work like that here <laughs> so jordy's gonna take the drive section back and save the captain hooray um, troy has a big talk about how well, Jordy's handling this life and death situation, but needs to be like nicer to the younger bridge crew because they haven't had as much experience here. He takes it to heart and heads to the battle bridge and separates the saucer section so that they can head back to the planet. Hooray! So, uh, so okay, so we got uh, our three crew members here. That's apparently all you need uh, to have under uh, with you to command the battle bridge. Uh, so we got the new- two newbies and Worf. Uh, Worf, are you ready for battle? Okay, we're not talking you to Warf. To question today. it. You have to question Warf's ability to battle. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, we're not talking to Warf today. Uh, the rest of you guys. <laughs> How you doing? So back in the cave, Picard finds a computer, and when he turns it on, the salesman from earlier appears as a projection. 
<laughs> he discovers the computer is an advanced control for a weapon system that adapts to eliminate its targets. That's what these drones have been. Hmm, an adaptive system that you know makes weapons more and more powerful. That's able to tackle uh, you know whatever is it's thrown its way. Hmm, this reminds me of something, but what? I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll I'll we'll think of it much later. So other than giving specs trying to sell them stuff this dude's not particularly useful so mm -hmm. uh right here and the others find the hole data jumps down to help because he can do that but he also uh can't do very much down there yes <laughs> i cannot reconfigure this thing even though you're trying to tell me what to reconfigure it to do but okay <laughs> uh yar and Riker find cover because a new drone just launched and now they're also a man down mm -hmm. so yeah Wait, we added the wrong number. We put negative one as supposed to plus one. Ah! The salesman is just really excited to show off the drones. It's the perfect mm -hmm. weapon. Probably killed everyone on the planet, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, we, we got to keep demonstrating until you're ready to buy, you know? Huh. So the card has a flash of insight and goes, okay, you made your sale. It's fine. And then the salesman and the drone immediately disappear. Hmm. Oh, well, that was convenient. Um, Wait, how much does this thing cost? <laughs> yeah, now they're committed. Also, I don't know what money is. We'll come up with that later. <laughs> now they can communicate with the Enterprise. And he's like, hey, we took care of the problem. And Joy's like, not up here, you didn't. <laughs> you know, that's that's why I said, you know, it, it would be plausible for this you know, to be an unconnected sort of demonstration here. Because they're still in trouble at this point. And <laughs> yeah, the other drone did not disappear. Maybe it's just too far away. Who knows? So, Jordy orders the ship to enter the planet's atmosphere. After he gives like a big speech, really good speech about how everyone mm -hmm. knows their jobs and it's fine and just do what you're told and it's great. Everyone will get through this. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Let's go kick some t some ass here. So, you know, let's go fly into the atmosphere and hopefully the uh, saucer session section will never have to do the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's probably not designed for that. Yeah. <laughs> so if the drone follows them into the atmosphere, they'll be able to target its, you know, its entry turbulence. Mm-hmm since yeah, they can't see it the plan works they destroy the drone just before they burn up <laughs> and finally we're able to lower the shields and beam up the away team all right let's get the heck out of here uh never mind about the drake this place is just dangerous Jordy tries to relinquish command as soon as picard gets back and picard goes no 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 this ship was in one piece when i left <laughs> so you know Fix the ship, and, you know, maybe I'll let you not be in charge. How about then that? Then Jordy just sits in the command chair and sets course for the rest of the Enterprise. I think Picard just wanted to sleep. Yes. I've been stuck in a cave for most of the episode here. I, I'm, I'm going to go take a nap. And Riker's like, but I, I didn't get a nap. You are you are frozen in time. You got a nap. So I think this is this, this, the really interesting thing of this episode, especially now. You, do you have an automated weapon so do you think this might be an allegory for something mm, it could very much be uh you know like uh some sort of uh, autonomous uh items that are going about and uh you know applying their death rays to things or maybe not death rays in the modern sense here but other sorts of weaponry so what i think is interesting the original intent like maurice hurley said that he wrote this episode or at least in, you know contributed to writing this episode as a commentary on how the u.s had recently started selling 
fighter jets to Iran. Huh. So, yeah, that seems a little weird. Wait, weren't we on, you know, uh, weird terms with Iran in the 80s? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So this episode is kind of a thing. I'm like, we, the U.S., are becoming the world's arms dealer. Hmm. And that maybe that's not a good thing. Yeah, we're selling to both sides. And eventually, one may reasonably predict that that might turn around and bite you in the ass. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, for folks that are not aware of, uh, you know, the U.S. You know, selling weapons to Iran was kind of a, a bit of a scandal in the 80s. But then, you know, things got kind of like, well, we don't care anymore. And then maybe, you know, some people are like, maybe we should, but, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you need a refresher, you should look up the American Dad uh, Schoolhouse Rock thing about Iran-Contra. Yes. <laughs> it was actually a very good overview. <laughs> so uh, I, I believe we've, uh, you know, spoken before about, you know, the whole, uh, you know, death squads in Nicaragua. And then Reagan's like, I want to keep giving them stuff. And uh, Congress is like, no. Like, okay, we'll, we'll sell weapons to Iran. And some of that funding will go to these guys instead, along with guns. Yeah, it was kind of terrible. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, the weapons that we sold to Iran in the 80s we did did directly fund and uh, make make easier some terrorist groups that we kind of are dealing with, you know, still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... Uh... So, uh, you know, Iran is uh, sort of, I guess, uh, best known for being supporters of, you know, Hezbollah and all that sort of stuff there. And, you know, like, well, uh, maybe if we hadn't been doing that you know, sort of stuff there, you know, just kind of not giving weapons to everybody, it would have been a better time for folks because there would have been less ways to kill each other. And of course, the thing here was even stupider because uh, the entire sale was meant because was was put through by congress because uh the company that was making the jets was going to go into bankruptcy if they weren't allowed to sell the things outside of the u.s so it hmm. was one of those sorts of things like oh yes uh you know this you know our we don't have enough of market let us have a larger market and yes it you know it'll just be you know not you guys but who then <laughs> we'll, we'll maybe mention it later <laughs> i think this is a very interesting it's interesting is the way that you can read a lot of stuff into the allegories that sci-fi, you know, puts in front of you. Because, you know, originally written as a, maybe we shouldn't be the world's arm de arms dealers because mm -hmm. putting a bunch of weapons out into the world that, you know, you do not have control over yep. may not be the best idea. Mm -hmm. And could be taken to what he called the, the ultimate conclusion of just destroying yourselves. Yeah, those weapons will come back and bite you in the ass. And, you know, that's a bad thing. So, you know, maybe don't do this. But what we've gotten to now, something that we are talking about at the minute, something that we are trying to deal with morally, is a lot closer to what they're doing in this episode, mm -hmm. which is, in fact, fully autonomous weapon systems. Indeed. You know, ways, which are yeah. dangerously close to being a realistic possibility indeed uh you know uh, so sort of uh, you know some disclosure here i do uh, uh you know know folks who have worked on systems that could be potentially applied to that sort of uh you know technology 
you know, the general, you know, consensus among them was, yeah, even if we have something that does this sort of thing here in, you know, possibility, we want to still make sure that we have a human at the end of the day uh, behind the controls so that, you know, we're not suddenly just mowing down random groups of people because it decided that, oh, this looks threatening. Yeah. So what we have now, because there's a lot of talk about military drones, they've been something that we've been talking about for the last several years. Mm -hmm. uh, current military drone technology is remote control. Yes. It is being directly controlled by a person, like, on the ground. Could be full continents away, but mm -hmm. it's still being directly controlled by a member of the U.S. military. Indeed. Usually Air Force, but sometimes other branches. Yeah. The thing that everyone's discussing and talking about would be something that had a autonomous AI, something similar to like a self-driving car, mm -hmm. that would be fully capable of making its own decisions on movement, weapons, etc., etc. Indeed. Um, what I do find kind of interesting, thinking about this as an argument, though, um, it feels like, and I'm not claiming to be an expert, I've never been in the military, I've known a few people who have been, but I'm not claiming to be an expert on these things. Um, but in general, people have this thing of like, oh, well, what if you completely automated the drones and they made their own decisions on what to shoot and what would be the moral implications of that, etc., etc. And there, there is a lot of questions there, but even people who are flying fighter jets now even members of the air force who are flying actual you know manned jet missions mm -hmm. aren't making their own decisions on what to shoot indeed they, no. they have to call into base and get explicit permission and orders and all this other stuff and confirm targets and get like three different people to agree that they should shoot something before they shoot it yes and yes we are still making a lot of really horrifying military mistakes there we're doing a lot of really horrifying things as the U.S. military. And I'm not trying to gloss over or excuse any of that. But it's certainly not the same sort of thing as an automated system. Because even when we have people there on the ground, or in the air in this case, I suppose, they're not even making their own decisions because we have an entire massive chain of command that filters down to them to make those decisions. Indeed. So... Yeah, you know, I suppose if you're going to be, uh, you know, worried about bad decision-making processes, you know, find the folks in that chain of command and and work them over a little bit, and to, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, you know, if you want to, you know, play specific blame, that's where to go. With the, you know, given our current structure here. And as I understand it, part of that thing is, in fact, to deal with the moral responsibility of modern weaponry. Mm-hmm. Because you, we kind of agree that, yes, the individual officer in charge of this thing, the individual who's flying the plane, manning the big gun, whatever, really shouldn't be in charge of making those decisions. Because one person should not be making those kinds of decisions. It's, it's too morally dubious. Indeed. We so. need a command structure to make those decisions, not only to try to make the decisions in a more informed, better way, which we are massively failing at, and, and yes. I'm not <laughs> going to argue this, but that's the, that's the theory. But that, the, that individual, whether or not they like hit the button, should not have to be morally culpable for the decision. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I suppose uh, 
from my own you know experience uh, you know knowing folks that you know work on auto you know quote autonomous systems uh that you know in terms of what you know folks in sort of the scientific uh you know area can do to make this whole process less awful is to design systems that uh help with you know provide more information so that they can get a a more clear picture of what's going on uh and so you can get a i guess a sensor package put together that is you know able to provide you know information about okay so we might be seeing these sort of uh specific uh i guess uh, red flags that this is probably some bad guys here but the system is also picking up these other elements that oh this is not actually bad guys it's some people hanging out on their uh their uh you know back porch uh just having a party they're not you know you know a you know a, a group gearing up to uh go raid the nearby uh you know uh, army base or whatever uh and so you know th there's sort of contrib uh, contributions that can be added there but at the end of the day you know no matter what how good your sensor system is there is it going to be coming down to a the uh, the human factor there that you got to sort of have to have somebody you know or hopefully multiple someone's sort of looking over this information and making calls on it yeah the real thing that you the only thing that you'd be particularly changing by saying we have this automated system like they would probably still send back information they would need a final okay by the higher ups because that's yeah. just how our military functions yeah and so yeah, the, I'm, you know i'm not saying that you know it, you know the you know this should be autonomous you know fully at all uh in fact i am fairly against that but you know having you know the research uh you know thrust be provide more information so that people can you know you know make better decisions that's a good thing well, I think we'd need a cup. We'd need some research on this thing. I can see two things here. One, one thing that you're doing is you're, if you make it autonomous and say we have the drone, it can complete. It's completely autonomous. It's not remote controlled, mm -hmm. but it still asks for you know firing permission and all the things that a real human pilot would have to do because you know how else would it function in our military? Yeah. <laughs> so if you have that, the thing that you've done really is kind of remove that sort of last gasp moral decision mm -hmm. because you do have situations we've had situations like this in in not in these smaller level decisions but in like nuclear launches and things where yeah, people have gotten yeah. <laughs> people have gotten bad orders and the person on the ground who's in charge of launching the thing and ending the world goes no thank you i'm not going to do that yeah, this uh, doesn't smell right to me. Uh, I'd like some confirmation from someone who knows what they're doing. Like, oh, Which, that was, it, was, it was a bear that broke into the fence and not, you know, an enemy incursion. Okay, let's not launch everything and kill everyone. Yeah, which you do have an argument for because, you know, especially something like that, if you made that an autonomous system, we would have launched nukes dozens of times already. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's a, a sort of i forget the, the exact name for it but uh, like the one phone line that if it gets cut you know russia launches all its you know nukes and it's like maybe we shouldn't have that <laughs> yeah maybe we should have two at least yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know someone could just you know run over that yeah. with a tractor and that'd be a bad time <laughs> yeah in a big snowy country notoriously bad at infrastructure upkeep mm, yeah <laughs> But the other thing that I would be kind of interested in, and I could see this is an actual argument for autonomous drones that, you know, 
with the check-ins and all the things that we have now because why why in the world would you design a weapon system to to work different than a human pilot mm-hmm. um something that you'd have to look at and i think you'd have to do actual research on this because the, the psychology on this um is unclear to me but something that i could see is even with all of the checks and orders and all the stuff that's supposed to be taking moral responsibility off of the person who's actually controlling the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have pretty high instances of PTSD and other psychological problems popping up in people Indeed. who are even controlling you know, drone strikes. And I am just wondering if having that more spread out amongst the command staff that don't have to send it down to the one person who's hitting the actual button. If they all just collectively have to send an okay code to the autonomous thingy and it hits the button, you know, theoretically, whether that would spread out the moral responsibility more to a way where you wouldn't be having quite as much of this sort of uh, PTSD effect on individual soldiers or airmen or whoever's working these things. Is, I guess, a big question. Uh, I don't have a good answer on if uh, that would be, uh, you know, helpful or not. Um, but it is maybe something to look into. A sort of a collective sort of, uh, you know, guilt situation. Yeah, which, you know, you, you might still, because someone has to send through the final input control, Someone has to have programmed the thing. Someone has to have made this decision somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. This is one of the arguments that you get into with the thing of like, well, if you have an autonomous car and it runs over someone who's responsible because the car is a robot. Yes. But the, the responsibility is whoever made the decision to program the car to do this thing. You know, no. like if you have a if you have an autonomous vehicle you will at some point run into a decision which people do have to make in like you know split second life and death problems when you're on roads which is why we should be eliminating cars they're a problem (laughs) that's a different thing yes (laughs) like if you have a choice between if you can't stop the car in time and you have a choice between running into the person in front of you or swerving onto the sidewalk and possibly running into the person over there Mm -hmm. like something's going to happen if the car does that, it, someone down the line had to program the car to make that decision and say which thing to prioritize. Indeed. Does it prioritize the passenger's safety or the pedestrian's safety? Does it prioritize not running into the cop car in front of it or not running into the person it swerve into? Cheap answer is to uh, say that if it cannot come up with a decision, do nothing. But then you've just defaulted it into running into whatever's in front of it. Yep. <laughs> Which is still a decision. Doing nothing yes. is still a decision. So I said, it's the cheap out, you know, <laughs> cheap answer. AKA, I'm pretending I don't have any responsibility mm-hmm. here as opposed to actually taking responsibility. <laughs> the thing that we keep skirting around whenever we talk about autonomous anything is that someone had to program it in the first place. Indeed. And whoever yeah. made those decisions is the one responsible. You can it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like the old it's like the old um the old Marx version of labor storage in, in automation. <laughs> it's responsibility storage. Yeah. <laughs> so uh if you don't know, Marx had an idea that that labor imparts value into the thing that you make, which is the labor theory of value. It's distinct from the price theory of value that we have in our system. Yes. And 
the way that he dealt with automation or labor-saving machines was that when you built the machine originally that does the automation or does the labor-saving, you're storing an amount of labor value in that machine that is mm -hmm. then doled out to the other things that it makes. Yes. So, uh, so on I... this, you're kind of storing responsibility value. You're mm -hmm. storing responsibility when you program the thing, and then that responsibility is doled out in all the decisions that the thing makes after you program it. Which I guess, uh, if you sort of you know you know take that view, you can step it back to the non-autonomous system still. That you know everyone who is uh, contributed to building the uh, the aircraft uh, or whatever other system you're using, you know has you know some responsibility that is being sort of imparted into the soul system on top of things. So you know that is maybe not going to help anyone really sleep at night, but it is an interesting thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Well, we tend to not we tend to not like to assign stuff to systems right now. We love our individualism, mm -hmm. but I think it's interesting because it kind of brings up this other thing with like just automating more and more and more of our systems that a lot of them are bad. A lot of them have flaws, yeah. <laughs> and some of the places where you can get around those flaws in our current system is when someone has is faced with making that decision, mm -hmm. like. On some level, we do have a certain amount of individual individualism in here where someone down the line is like, you know, the, systems, the system rules say I need to do this thing, but that's too immoral for me to do. Hmm. And I'm going to do something different. But the more and more that we automate these things, the more we, put, we computerize them and automate them and do all this stuff, the more that gets taken out of things. I've kind of I've recently been watching the uh, been watching through the um, really really good cyberpunk cartoon on Netflix, the cyberpunk yeah. anime, and it got me thinking of this because one of the things that makes that such a believable dystopia is that it's just taken all of the systems that we already have and automated them to such an extreme that you don't get that kind of leeway. Like the whole system is automatic. If you don't pay rent that week, your door automatically locks you out because it's hooked up to the computer. If yeah. you haven't <laughs> paid your, la your like laundry bill, your washing machine stops working. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, a little frustrating you know, that there's, you know, if then something happens in the, uh, you know, messes up the system. Well, you're out of luck because, you know, it just says that you haven't paid this week. Now, you know, is it because you, you know, didn't pay? You know, did you not be able to pay because something else horrible happened? Uh, was there a glitch in the uh, machinery? Or is this something else entirely that's causing your life to now f spiral out of control? Yeah, we've had all these, we've had things like this recently you know the internet of things which is falling out of favor for the internet of grifts yeah but <laughs> the internet of crap to, we uh, had this idea <laughs> of the you know web 2.0 the internet of things which is that everything you own is going to be connected to the internet and this is good for some reason yes and no one thought to ask why <laughs> yeah but some of the stuff that's happening i've seen this i was i was shopping around for wireless earbuds a little while back one of the things that I came across were ones that were initially very, very cheap. They were, you know, like 15 bucks. Mm -hmm. But you had to buy a subscription for them. 
And if ah. you didn't keep paying your subscription, it would send a kill code to your wireless earbuds. That's very, very, very awful. Mm -hmm. And then by the same token, we had this a few years ago, if you follow the like gaming news at all. We had this a few years ago with the um, Xbox One. Mm -hmm. When they initially announced it, they said it was going to be always connected to the internet, it was going to check on the games that you bought. It was going to do all of this stuff. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, if your internet connection went out, which mine does every week or so, it's not uncommon, mm -hmm. you can't use the thing because it has to be connected to the internet at all times to function. Yeah, we need our, our, our official uh, tokens to say that we are playing the games that we're supposed to be able to play here. Yeah. And uh, woe be to thee that has a bad connection or no connection. And now just extrapolate that. Can I not use mm -hmm. my toaster because my Wi-Fi is spotty? Yep. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just not going to eat today. Uh-oh. And all of that is just the base level thing, even ignoring the fact that the reason everything now is a smart whatever, smart TVs, smart toaster, smart whatever the heck you buy, is because mm -hmm. it's sending a bunch of information back to Amazon that they're then selling. And yes. making a lot of money <laughs> off of the fact that you're watching TV. Yeah, it's like, oh, we know uh, that you're watching TV and the channel and uh, how much of the commercial you're, uh, you know, not muting. And there you go. <laughs> Somebody recently came out with a patent for a thing that would stop playing a commercial and pause the thing if you weren't looking directly at your phone. Oof. Oof. That's just awful. I don't watch much video on my phone as is, but still, I'm more of a desktop person. So see, I do think that when you think about this, when you talk about automation like this, this is a distraction. Mm -hmm. You get into these automation arguments that are automation is going to replace all all food service workers, which if, if it could, it would have by now. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we got maybe a robot delivering some plates at a Denny's, but, you know, yeah, we still need to be able to like, you know, my food doesn't seem to be appear to what's actually I ordered. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should talk to like a human. <laughs> Though horrifyingly, I did hear a uh, I did hear a news report recently, a glowing news report, because this was on one of these shows that's talking about how great innovation is <laughs> about how they're outsourcing cashiers. Like you go to the supermarket and you get a video screen where someone in India talks you through your transaction. Can I not go to those stores then, please? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as is, I don't uh, you know, you know, go to I don't use the uh, you know, self-checkout very much because one, I tend to like go grocery shopping for a week or more, and two, it is kind of nice to actually get some help handling all the stuff. Yeah. So uh also, as someone pointed out, like all of a sudden you go to the store and one day they they the store decided that something that used to be somebody else's job that they paid someone to do is now your job. Mm -hmm. Like, can I, uh, you know, get all this for cheaper now because of this? No. Well, bye. I'm going to try to find a place that still has humans. But like, I think that talking about the automation is going to lose everyone their jobs. Like, that's something that we need to deal with on a ma more massive structural level. Yes. Or the automation is going to create 
Terminator-style death robots. It's a distraction from all of the stuff that automation is already doing, which is making you pay yeah. subscriptions for everything in the world. Yeah, um, so... Audit, we, we're trying to automate the way that our justice system works with you know mandatory minimums and taking decisions out of mm -hmm. judges' hands and all that sort of thing to fully automate it in a way that takes all the humanity out of something that's supposed to be dealing with humanity. Yeah, yeah. It's like, are, oh, this, but with this person that I don't have any information on didn't get you know uh, the, enough punishment for something that I only just heard about them having done. I'm going to demand more punishments for people and minimums of it, too. Ah. Yeah. We're making it so you can't use your toaster. It's not connected to the Internet. Mm -hmm. you know, actually, I saw this. Not a toaster. They they sell these all-in-one cooking devices. Look dangerous as, as heck. Sometimes the <laughs> lid's pop open and burn people they are they are horrible things but it's they sell a, these it's, it's all a coffee in one maker and shall, salad shooter and <laughs> now it's it's an actual like it's got a sous vide in it it uh it's got a blender and a mixer and a sous vide and a thing and you can like put the recipe if you like put the recipe in the way that it tells you to it will automatically cook stuff mm -hmm. um some of those times it's dangerous and the seals don't work well but those Oops. things you have to pay a subscription for some of them in order to get the automated recipes which is the only way that the thing will function for you because you can't set the device yourself Oof. you have to follow their recipe with their ingredients so that the thing knows what to do and these things are <sighs> not cheap these things are already like you know fifteen hundred dollars yeah it, it's basically a toy that is just going to make you suffer and uh there's more interesting toys that do that you know but this is where they want things to go. The fact that they can't make you pay a subscription for real-world items that you are buying bothers capitalists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're getting there because now everything's connected to the internet, so they're getting to a place where they can charge you subscriptions. Very recently, this is going to date the video, but they just had a story about how Pantone, who owns all the colors... Oh, yeah. <laughs> is going to start trying to charge people to use their colors in Adobe Photoshop. Yep. If you use the wrong color, uh, you know, got to pay up. And if you if it's there, well, and you didn't pay, it's going to go, go away. Yeah, if you used those colors in anything that you drew or made ever, if you load it up now and don't pay them $25 a month, it will black out. <laughs> it's like, what, what the hell, people? Come on. So anyway, now I'm angry, but like, see, this is the actual danger of automation, not it's going to create autonomous kill drones. Well, uh, you know, because also, I, have you seen self-driving cars try to go anywhere? You walk around a corner and the drone is going to lose you. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I guess, yeah, I, I don't necessarily, you know, you know, uh, want to push folks towards, you know, uh, you know, individual responsibility nonsense here. But, uh, you know, if we're, you know, going back to the, you know, you know, instilling morality into the devices that we, uh, you know, design, construct, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there is the, I guess the, the, the bad side of that where we're making decisions that make horrible things happen. And then there's the, the inverse of that. We're going to make decisions about the technology we design to have them decrease suffering in people and have less nonsense like all of this. So, you know, if you happen to be in sort of a, uh, you know, a tech development sort of area, you have the choice to make the right decision to make our lives less crappy. Sometimes, because we've also automated the fact that uh, 
CEOs and people have to do things that raise their stock prices. Ah, dang it. Well, uh, I could try to get pitch the same messages to CEOs, but I don't think they're going to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. You need to yeah. look at mm. changing the actual systems of control that we have in place, which is voting, yes. changing laws, uh, maybe, possibly maybe. if you possibly investing into some of these places that are trying to use the system against itself by investing in better in better uh, company policies. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, uh, maybe we can get rid of just CEOs in general. Mm. Yeah, that'd be great. But probably maybe some not. sort of uh, council of the workers sort of in charge of these organizations. <laughs> Oh, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? It's starting to sound dangerously communist to me. Oh, it's just a, uh, you know, it's like a co-op, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, unless you had anything pressing in here. Well, I guess I could, you know, talk a little bit about uh, the military-industrial complex in general, but I can maybe save that for another time. Oh, yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the yes. military-industrial <laughs> complex. <laughs> So I You're guess already, since yeah. <laughs> since I got on a too long of a rant, I, I shut everything down. I'm sorry I do that. Anyway. Uh, you know, that's uh, why you're having motorcycles today. <laughs> so in, in favor of having the motorcycles not ruin my entire day, I guess it's time to get to the galaxy's favorite game show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the galaxy's favorite game show. I hope you're all looking beautiful today, because I think you are. Anywho, the uh, various contestants have been uh, racking up all sorts of points here, and uh, we've got a few to hand out before the drones get us, so, you know, let's see how this rolls. The first one is the Gunshots by Computer Prize, which goes to the peddler, because he will bring you peace through superior firepower via computer, because he is one. Yeah, that, yes. Anyway, what does the peddler win, Gapwin? The peddler gets like a virtual teddy bear or something because he's so sad. And I can mm. imagine that that's why he wants to destroy everything. Hmm. That might it's help, like yes. Computer depression. Yeah, he, he, he does smile a couple times in there. But, uh, you know, it's the, uh, the smile of a salesman. You know, it's like, well, I've made the sale, but what of my life? What meeting do I have? Is there anything really worth it out there? Anyway, uh, well, going to the next prize is... The Carbonite Man, which goes to Riker for being frozen in place for a while. Thankfully, no bounty hunters were uh, by today to pick him up. What does Riker win, Gepwin? Riker wins a thermal detonator because it's the only way to get out of these things. Apparently. <laughs> you just have yeah, to uh... threaten everyone with a grenade. Maybe that could have turned the drones off. Hmm. We're going to grenade your, 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 your mainframe computer uh, guy. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, oh, hmm. He, he just keeps giving me the advertisement. Anyway, the, the final one is the Berger's Berserker Button Prize, which goes to the Chief Engineer Logan for having a massive problem with not being in command for some reason. Or is he just worried about being replaced like the last does Chief Engineers, unless he makes a big splash? Hmm. Things to think about. Well, what does he win, Gapwin? Yeah. <laughs> Chief Engineer Logan gets transferred to a starbase, which apparently is very boring for everyone. I've heard this is a bad bad thing in several shows so mm. you shouldn't try to power play and yeah you're probably right this is why they keep running through engineers hmm. well uh maybe it's maybe there's only certain uh star bases that are horrible and uh you know bad postings uh 
Hmm, maybe one one of those places with like a one of those bad rolls in charge or something like that. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, that's all we got for today. I hope you've been uh, enjoying our little game show here today, folks. Uh, go ahead and take us away, Gepwin, before because uh, I think uh, they're 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 trying to shoot through the doorway here. I, I should probably go deal with that. Yes, thank you everyone for joining us. And these things are always clunky because we don't automate them. So, haha, be <laughs> thankful for that. All right, thank you for joining us, and this has been the weird thing that we call the galaxy's favorite game show! Hmm. So, uh, so how you doing? <laughs> Good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are you feeling all right? So far. That's, that's good. Uh, so, uh, you know, have you been uh, taking your uh, your your medications? Yeah, it's the only way to hold off the plague. Yeah, <laughs> it's too real. Yeah, yeah. This, so, this is yeah. A, this, this next episode's kind of weird, given you know the last few years. Yeah, it's a weird yeah. one on the plague front. I mean, it's one of the ones that people talk about. It's it was made fun of recently in Lower Decks. You know mm -hmm. they do this. So yes. next time we have symbiosis, which doesn't tell you a lot about what's going on from the name. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's two things and uh, they're like working together for mutual uh, benefit. Maybe. Yeah, this is the one that like everyone criticizes this one, but it's very difficult to to remember the plot offhand. Yeah. This is the <laughs> one where you have one planet that is giving the other planet drugs for a plague and the mm -hmm. one planet's really rich and the other one is like workers and they're providing all of the like industrial stuff for the other planet yep and so uh you know this is a thing that's happening and they apparently only have one ship that does all the shipments yeah because uh they never worked out how to repair their their ships because they're in too capitalist of a thing yes <laughs> it's like oh we forgot to hire engineers drat <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it's not a lot to talk about. This is one of those weird ones. Uh, there's some prime directive malarkey going on that uh, mm -hmm. you kind of have to, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure out whether it makes any sense next time. Well, uh, I, I'd say that uh, at the end of the day, Picard kind of just throwing up his hands and being all like, I'm done with this. It's probably the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Sometimes the best decision is no decision at all. Yep. I'm out. <laughs> So yeah, I, mean, though, I will say he uses the prime directive both directions. Like people are like, "Oh, it's a weird prime directive decision." So I mean, he kind of just did the like, "Nope, I'm going to follow the actual letter of the law on this one and watch it work out." Yep. <laughs> yeah, Picard's like flexible like that, uh, you know. And uh, I guess we can uh, maybe make a chart at some point about you know on what level, uh, you know, which direction he and the other captains, uh, you know, you know, go with the prime directive. But uh, you know, at the very least, though, he's not condemning the entire po uh, population, uh, plant, uh, uh, you know, uh, entire species to death because of some, <laughs> you know, questionable thinking. Anyway, yep. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Flux. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, next time we're going to talk about prime directive stuff, card, <laughs> drugs. It's going to be a fun time. With yeah, there uh, might be some capitalism too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so next time we got symbiosis. <laughs> Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Captain Freeman will drop by later. You 
have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs>